This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where both sides of the presidential race are asking themselves what's going to happen when patient zero leaves the COVID hotspot known as the White House to address thousands of followers at a campaign rally in central Florida this evening. It's happening one day after the state reported a significant increase in the number of new infections and fatalities, but that may have been a glitch. Donald Trump Jr. hits the road in Florida, kicking off a bus tour against socialism, communism, radicals, you know, Democrats. It was called the Fighters Against Socialism Tour, and Ultimate Fighting Championship star Jorge Masvidal introduced Don Jr. by saying this. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. God bless the greatest country in the fucking world. Thanks for keeping it classy, guy. More on Don Jr.'s spiel later in the show during the Sunrise Soapbox. The governor shows up in Calhoun County with a big check from the feds to help rebuild the only hospital in the area. It was wrecked by Hurricane Michael. Here at Liberty Calhoun Hospital, Hurricane Michael's devastation is still evident. The hospital, uh, like many homes and, and like many businesses in Northwest Florida, uh, was nearly destroyed. It lost 80% of its roof and uh, 15 of its 25 beds. Today on Sunrise, a deep dive on the governor's latest visit to the Panhandle to deal with the aftermath of Michael. It's been two years and they are still rebuilding. But Florida got lucky over the weekend when Hurricane Delta missed us completely. And the governor is tempting fate by suggesting we may get out of this hurricane season without much more damage. We're kind of crossing our fingers. Jared, there's nothing brewing right now, right? Now there probably will be. <laughs> well, so knock on wood. We'll also check out your calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man who's going to federal prison for an investment he peddled on Shark Tank. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, October 12th. It was on this day in 1492 that a sailor on board the Pinta sighted land, bringing a new era of European exploration and colonization to the Americas. And on October 12th in 1810, Bavarian Crown Prince Ludwig married his princess and invited the public to attend. It became an annual celebration known today as Oktoberfest. Fresh off his case of COVID-19, Donald Trump returns to Florida tonight for his first large-scale public rally since being hospitalized for treatment of the virus. After being confined to the White House and Walter Reed National Military Medical Center since testing positive on October 1st, Trump is scheduled to begin a frantic stretch of rallies between now and Election Day. Tonight's event in central Florida will be followed by rallies in Pennsylvania Tuesday and Iowa Wednesday. But is it safe? The White House doctor says the president is, quote, no longer considered a transmission risk to others and that there's no evidence of an actively replicating virus. But epidemiologists say there is still a risk and the president should be quarantined to protect anyone near him. If you're headed to the rally tonight in Sanford, the doors open at four. The event starts at seven. Tickets are required. Masks are optional, of course. Before the rally begins, the Florida Democratic Party will host a virtual press conference with people who've been affected or infected by the coronavirus. They claim the president's mismanagement of the pandemic has devastating consequences for families across Florida, starting with more than 15,000 fatalities. Donald Trump Jr. spent Sunday barnstorming the state in what the campaign called the Fighters Against Socialism Tour. It started at the Tampa Convention Center, where Trump insisted this is not a race between Democrats and Republicans. To the first son, this is more like my dad versus the commies. And that's what's so scary about Joe Biden. It's not Joe Biden that the media wants or the radical left. It's that they're using him to be camouflage, right? 
He's the camouflage to get Kamala Harris in. He's the camouflage to get Bernie Sanders in. He's the camouflage to get AOC. You think any, does anyone really believe that Joe Biden's going to be the guy in charge? Like, in all fairness, if Joe Biden was here right now, he'd be saying, it's wonderful to be here in Alaska. <laughs> Joe, you're in uh, Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Tulsa. <laughs> no one believes it. But the, they will tell you, oh, it's, it's moderate Joe from Scranton. It's blue-collar Joe from Scranton. Don't worry. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Well, as we discussed earlier, there's nothing moderate about his platform, and there's nothing moderate about the people that he's associating there with. But they know that if they convince you he's a moderate, you'll vote for him and not maybe look deeper. There's also nothing blue-collar about Joe Biden. In all fairness, he's been an elected senator since he was in his 20s. His 20s. That's not blue-collar, guys. I'm the son of a billionaire from Manhattan, and I have had more blue-collar jobs than Joe Biden. Right. But that's the problem. It's not about democracy. It's not about voting. It's not about that. If they don't get their way, they change the rules. If they don't like the outcome, they'll figure out a different way to do it. I know this because they didn't like the outcome of the 2016 election, and they haven't acknowledged it since. So guys, your freedoms are at stake here. This truly is, and everyone says it every time, every time there's an election, you know, it's the most important election ever. I was like, eh, usually nonsense. This time it's real. Because you have socialism and Marxism on the ballot. This is not a Democrat party anymore, that's like false marketing. This Democrat party has nothing to do with the Democrat party you're used to. This Democrat party doesn't represent working class Americans. This Democrat party is led by Joe Biden, who spent 50 years shipping your American dream to China. NAFTA, TPP, China's permanent status in the World Trade Organization. But no one's ever going to tell you that because they don't want you to know the truth. The media and the Democrats, they want to get the radicals in there. After starting in Tampa, the fighters against socialism moved on to Orlando, Coconut Creek, and Miami. The Florida Department of Health reported 5,570 new coronavirus cases Sunday and 178 additional fatalities. Now, those numbers are abnormally high, especially for a weekend, and state officials are blaming it on a large dump of duplicate test results from a private firm. It was such a mess that the health department did not report any COVID numbers Saturday, so Sunday's increase is for both days. 734,491 people have now been infected statewide. Florida's death toll has reached 15,552. Next up on Sunrise, the governor travels to Bluntstown to hand out a big check to help fix the only hospital in a 60-mile radius. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. It's been two years since Hurricane Michael tore through the panhandle and things are nowhere near back to normal. But money helps. Governor Ron DeSantis was in Bluntstown Friday to present a check to help rebuild the only hospital in the region. 
Here at Liberty Calhoun Hospital, Hurricane Michael's devastation is still evident. The hospital, uh, like many homes and, and like many businesses in Northwest Florida, uh, was nearly destroyed. It lost 80% of its roof and uh, 15 of its 25 beds. Uh, given its location, the hospital is deemed a critical access hospital by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and it primarily serves low and moderate income populations from Calhoun, Liberty, Jackson, and Gulf counties. Well, this hospital does not have beds surrounding residents or forced, when this hospital does not have beds surrounding residents are forced to travel 50 or 60 miles to receive emergency care. So the hospital also provides economic support for the area with good jobs in the medical field that would otherwise be unavailable. Uh, so we obviously have a responsibility uh, to help uh, the hospital. Community needs it and we need it back at full operation. And so to that end, I'm pleased to announce today uh, that the Department of Economic Opportunity is allocating $10 million from its long-term recovery funds uh, to not only reconstruct the Liberty Calhoun Hospital, uh, but to make sure that it's more resilient uh, than ever before. That money to rebuild comes from the Department of Economic Opportunity, the folks responsible for Florida's failed unemployment compensation system. Former State Representative Dane Eagle is the new boss at the DEO, and this was his first public appearance since taking over the troubled agency. And while I'm new to this job, I'm in my fourth week as the governor highlighted my public debut. I was working the legislature and he was clear uh, from his leadership on day one as he assumed office, we need to focus on recovery. Uh, and now in this position, I'm, I'm glad to be able to do this. And he's exactly right. He said from day one in this position, my job is to help get that money out. This isn't our money. This isn't the federal government's money. This is taxpayers' money. Uh, and it does no good sitting in the government's coffers. Uh, so as that money is awarded and allocated to us, it's our duty to get it back into the hands of the locals so that they can rebuild stronger than ever before. Wouldn't it be nice if they had the same attitude about getting unemployment claims paid? But that's a story for another day. The governor also announced the Federal Emergency Management Agency will be providing more than $100 million for road repairs and a handful of projects rebuilding the town of Mexico Beach. They've approved an additional $104.9 million obligation for Hurricane Michael relief. Uh, this includes more than $90 million for Washington County road projects and nearly $15 million for projects in Bay County, including road repairs in Springfield, a $12.9 million dredging program uh, project in Mexico Beach. Uh, this project cleared the Mexico Beach Canal, which is very important public access point for boats in the area. It was a priority of the mayor, and I'm proud we'd be able to work with FEMA to get this project obligated. Uh, Mexico Beach, uh, many of you may not know, their annual budget is about three and a half million dollars. And so this is a big reimbursement and very, very important. So we're gonna process payment for half of this project within the next week, and the rest uh, we will pay out uh, shortly thereafter. A lot has changed in the two years since Michael. Jared Moskowitz at the Florida Division of Emergency Management says they are doing a better job now getting money to the local governments that were saddled with huge bills to clean up all the debris, let alone rebuild. We realized you know, when we took over the division in January that we had lost kind of our core mission, which is, you know, one of it is to get money out the door. This is not our money. Uh, we're returning local money uh, to local governments that had to spend money in the event of a disaster. And so, you know, I'm happy to report not just the $832 million that we've done for Hurricane Michael, as the governor announced, but we've done $3 billion since January of 2019. It's the most amount of money the division has moved in that period of time by double. Uh, we also wanted to help out in different ways. So for the first time ever, 
the Division of Emergency Management picked up the sheriff's spending. You know, there was a ton of mutual aid that poured into this neighborhood. Everyone remembers it. All the mutual aid that came uh, from all over the state. The sheriff's offices spent seven and a half million dollars helping out first respond. You know, for being a first responder, being here on the ground in the immediate aftermath. And so we didn't want sheriff's offices to have to deal with the reimbursement process because it's important that their budgets, you know, remain whole. And so the division stepped up and took that responsibility on. We laid the money out for those sheriff's offices so that we could deal uh, with reimbursement. The governor is also trying to reassure residents of the Panhandle who are still rebuilding from Michael that they have not and will not be forgotten. This is a, a long road back. And, and one of the things I noticed that uh, after when, when Hurricane Michael came through, it seemed like everyone for that next week was really fixated. People were bringing food, water, and it was great. But then it was kind of like two weeks later, it's like the cameras kind of left, people kind of left. Uh, we had our election and for governor. And as we were getting ready to take office, um, you know, my wife and I were like, why isn't anybody talking about this again? Because we understand when you're talking about a, a Category 5 storm and the type of damage that it can do, it's not something that just that, that just gets fixed in a month or six months. I mean, it really does take a long time. I think the people uh, of this region have been very resilient in the face of a lot of challenges. Your calendar of events today, the Eastern Florida State College Board of Trustees meet at 9. The Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council meets online at 10. The Florida Democratic Party is hosting a virtual press conference at 10 with people who've been through the coronavirus, just their way of preparing for the president's tarmac rally at 7 o'clock tonight at the Sanford Airport. At 10.30 this morning, election supervisors Mark Early of Leon County and Wesley Wilcox of Marion County take part in an online press briefing about expectations for election results next month and requirements for an accurate vote count. Karen Pence, the wife of Vice President Mike Pence, will be campaigning in Tampa today. That's at 11.30. And finally today, the stories of two Florida men. One is going to prison and the other has a very nice looking lawn, all thanks to the police. A Florida man who pitched a single-serving wine glass on the program Shark Tank is sentenced to two years in prison for wire fraud. 60-year-old Joseph Falcone is a former New York wine distributor who pleaded guilty to stealing more than half a million dollars from investors. The district attorney for the Eastern District of New York says Falcone used the money for a home in Florida, where he now lives, and to fund his online securities trading account. Finally, a Florida man who was facing fines and could have had his power disconnected because he couldn't keep up with his yard has been bailed out by police. Michael Guidry of Longwood broke down in tears as he told the code enforcement office his back is so bad he can't do the work anymore, that he can't afford to pay anyone to do it, that he's depressed and just doesn't care. Well, the city sent some officers to do a welfare check at Guidry's home, and after talking with him, they ended up cleaning his lawn and hiring a landscaper to mow an edge. Officer Sean Piscatelli says it made us feel good, it made him feel good, and the lawn looks great. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.